Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. The nuances in the presentation to different audiences and how, how do you take that information and collect it in a way that you can present it to, you know, the first line who need to know, you know, their detailed obligations and how it applies to their products, services or business lines. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the GRC Institute. And today we are going to have a chat about the ISO 37301 compliance management system, specifically around the certification and I guess evidence base of how you show that certification and what does that mean at all. And we'll be having a chat with the Protect Research and Content Lead, Michael Howell. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you very much for having me, Kwame. So um, I think I'm just going to throw you straight into the deep end and get straight into the questions. And I guess for anybody who is curious, maybe new to the profession or new to just dealing with the standard in general, maybe we should touch on what are the benefits of having a certifiable standard? What, why does it matter? I think ultimately it's, it's about confidence. Uh, so confidence of your business partners and people that work with you, knowing that you have a strong compliance management system in place and I don't think you need to look very far to see you know issues of non-compliance breaches enforcement action uh, you know out of, out of the, the regular news cycle so I think having that that level of confidence uh, from those business partners helps with that reputational image as well so that they're, they're less likely to be impacted by uh, I guess reputational damage by association uh, and I think that also extends to you know perhaps some members of your audience may actually provide compliance as a service, and that also builds that confidence in that that type of service. Uh, I think also there's that assurance internally, not just the external partners, but internally for the executive team or uh, your top governing body, your board, whoever that may be, to to know that you've got that internal assurance. And at Protect, we we tend to frame it as uh, I guess controls or compliance systems as an enabler. So if you know that those things are quite well managed, it gives you more opportunity to more aggressively pursue objectives uh, on the other side. You know, I guess we call that permission to go fast. Okay, excellent. And hopefully our listeners have taken their notes down. Um, so getting into definition of terms, I think is really the next step that we should do. Um, what I did mention evidence in the introduction, but I mean, what what is evidence in the context of an ISO 37301 and, and where would this evidence come from? Sure. So the, in terms of the definitions, the I guess the standard calls that documented information is the term that it uses and quite a number of the elements of the standard, uh, there's an expectation that you will have uh, documented information. Uh, so, so where does that come from? I think ultimately it comes initially from the, the overall design of your compliance management program or system uh, presumably that initiation of that will be done by the compliance management team around things like policies, frameworks and tools. But I think then that evidence comes from the people following those processes. And I think having a you know, process design that enables the collection or, or creation of that evidence on the way through, as opposed to being something that is done as a separate process, I think is, uh, you know, is pretty important. And once you've collected this this evidence and this documentation, uh, who, who's it for? I mean, is there some nuance in the way it should be collected depending on the audiences, whether internal or external? Ultimately, that evidence can serve more than one audience or one piece of evidence will, will serve more than one audience. And I think ultimately you don't want to collect it or duplicate that information. You know, if you can prevent that, I think more, uh, kind of as you say, you're hinting at the nuances in the presentation to different audiences and how, how do you take that information and collect it in a way that you can present it to 
you know, the first line who need to know, you know, their detailed obligations and how it applies to their products, services or business lines uh, versus the second line who need to see that comprehensive view, uh, including, you know, being able to aggregate that and consistently see that, particularly for things like non-compliance. Is there a trend that they need to notice? Uh, up to, you know, your board who need to see, you know, what's, what's our compliance culture like, which is, I guess, a collection of all that aggregated information. But ideally, you don't want to have to create that, you know, multiple times or, I guess, create that on the way through. You want to be able to just pull the information that's already there and present it at the time that you need it, I think is also an important uh, factor. Sure. And obviously, to do this, you need to have the, the right kind of tools. And, and, and you talked about design. Uh, I guess, how, how can we... How how can this evidence be gathered? And you already began to talk about that process, but maybe just get into a bit more about ways that can be done. Yeah, I think spreadsheets is probably the initial tool of choice for, for many of us. And I've certainly been there and done that. And I'm judging from your laugh that you've been there and done that too. Uh, but I do think that uh, you do run into some limitations pretty pretty quickly with that type of process. Uh, and I've, you know, sort of, I've been there and done that. I think the step up for that, particularly on the regulatory side, is uh, you know monitoring services that can deliver something to you in plain language uh, that applies to your particular organisation. Uh, beyond that, I think relational databases or, or tools that actually can then aggregate a lot of that information. So linking things like your obligations, your controls, attestations, um, maybe action plans, also workflows. So being able to, you know, I've used email for follow-ups um, and that, again, that becomes a bit of a painful process. So I think the tools... Uh, and, and automation and technology, and obviously the, the standard calls out sufficient resources being a requirement, uh, which includes that, that technology piece. And um, I, th I think that's probably the, the best way to gather that information because it, it also gathers that information in a way that gives you an audit trail. So using things like spreadsheets, Word documents and things like that, I think ultimately it doesn't give you that, that trail or version control. And you know, particularly if someone's knocking on your door looking for that information to say, how did you manage this? Particularly in the case of, of a non-compliance, like a regulator coming to, to knock on your door, being able to see that history, I think is also uh, important. And I'm gonna pull a question out of left field that has not been um, previously discussed, but are there, could you speak generally to any ways that this has probably not been done very well or maybe with, with bad results? like? What, what may be some of the ways you definitely don't recommend you try to collect um, information? <laughs> uh, no, that is a bit of a left field question. Um, well, I think I've kind of hinted on some of those that I think they get out of hand pretty quickly for trying to, to link spreadsheets together. And I think you know, I have seen in the past, I guess, people trying to collate information and then uh, information being deleted from a spreadsheet inadvertently. So, so human error uh, and, you know, it's not, not detected until much later. Uh, once you've had a non-compliance. So I, I think those, those tools, they're the, they're the easy starting point, but I think, again, you want to look at that design and, and figure out how you can make sure that you've got that consistent data to prevent, um, I guess, that evidence not being available to you at the time that you need it. Yeah, sure. And I assume that the tool might also depend on maybe the, the size of your organisation or um, what you're applying it to within your organisation. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, I've I started with spreadsheets when I was, uh, you know, in one of my first compliance roles. And I think that's where you, you kind of do start because that helps you then figure out what you need to design ultimately. Um, yeah, it definitely does. It does scale with the, the size of your organisation and context of your organisation, whether you're, um, I guess, local, global, uh, how many business services you have, how many departments need to, to meet those compliance obligations and manage those. 
Yeah, and again, another sort of left field one um, from the positive end of things. Um, is, is there any examples where you've seen really done well in terms of having everything together? Yes, I have seen instances where people have combined a range of their obligations. So you know, things like the regulatory, which is probably top of mind for most people, but I have seen instances using some of these tools where people have combined uh, their policy frameworks, uh, even included their contractual obligations to some of their partners, have used uh, you know, their insurance uh, contracts as well, corporate insurance, to make sure that uh, if they need to make a claim that they've met all the obligations they need to be able to make that sort of claim. So, uh, But I, again, I think you can only do that if you've got all the right tools in place to be able to get all that linkage together so that you can report on that and uh, follow up on those things when you need to. And we've already come down to the end. Um, any advice for risk and compliance professionals? And you've already, I think you've been giving some advice as, as we went along, but any sort of, I guess, key points that you want to leave people with? Sure. I think the, I think being a partner to the business and compliance can be seen as a you know, bit of a stopgap or a handbrake at times. And I think that uh, trying to be that partner and show them that you're trying to help them achieve their objectives consistently and safely and the organization's goals consistently and safely is a big part of that relationship building. Um, and, and to sort of link that to a, a more specific sort of process, looking at the ex external regulatory change is one thing, but looking internally and finding out how people might be implementing change, such as implementing new products or changing their services might mean that there's no external regulatory change, but maybe now those uh, obligations now start applying to you. Uh, and I think being at that early, an early insight provider to, to those key stakeholders will help really add value for the, for compliance teams. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Michael. First, thank you very much for having me. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.